Hey, thank you for joining us on the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted. Our guest today is Eric Franke. You might know him as the lead anchor at 6 and 10 on Channel 3 News. He used to do sports on Channel 3. He's been doing uh, the lead anchor stuff for about 10 years now. Uh, we talk a lot about news and local news and Madison and a lot of good stuff. Uh, hey, our next Story Slam is Saturday, May 16th at the Wilmar Center. Uh, our theme is Hindsight is 2020. Ale Asylum will be sponsoring again, so come on out and hear some good stories. Have a beer. Anyway, here's the episode with Eric. Enjoy. Right, right, but just, right. I mean, my voice will be loud anyway. So. You're, you're you're familiar with the biz, sure. I did radio for a little bit too. So. Oh, really? In, in college or no? I didn't hear uh, when I was in my last few years with um, in sports. I did a radio call-in show on uh, what was it now ESPN Radio 100.5 FM. Okay. Craig Carmazin still owns it, Good Karma Broadcasting. Craig's a friend, and he'd had me and several other local sports anchors host a show from 10 to noon weekdays. And once I had my son, I had to kind of back off and cut my schedule back. But I also, had, at that time, moved to, to news, so it didn't make as much sense to be a sports radio call-in guy and also, sure. also be hosting, anchoring yeah. the news <laughs> at night. So, But, yeah, for about two or three years and... I did that with Rob Vogel, Jason Wildey, Adam Mertz of the Capital Times, a couple yeah. other guys, Jeremy Woods, who worked at 15 at the time as well. So a lot of us rotated. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I don't do any intro, really. That's fine. Uh, That's we, cool. We're recording. So, That's um, fine. It's Franke, right? Yeah, Franke. Yeah, it's kind of a German. A lot of people around here say Frankie. Yeah. Uh, pronounce it that way. Yeah. Uh, but Frankie, yeah. Barb Frankie is actually still the all-time leading women's basketball, or one of the, I think she was, <laughs> sports she was the women's all-time leading Badger scorer here for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she pronounced it Frankie. Frankie. And but my mother, my late mother was Barb Frankie, so I always thought that was funny seeing her in box scores because my mom was 5'4", and about, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't much of a basketball player. So so we are here with Eric Frankie, mm-hmm. the lead anchor, 6, mm-hmm. and, six and 10, right? Yep, 6 From and Channel 10. 3 News. Mm-hmm. This is Madison Story Slam, the long slam. Uh, so we've been talking a little about uh, how you got into news. Right. And right off the top, I was just thinking, is it the goal of every local anchor to to be on NBC Nightly News or, or whatever, you know, just a national anchor? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I've never thought about that at yeah. all. Um, I, the funny thing is, I've always thought I'd be in a market like doing local news. And yeah. there are so many different opportunities now that when I was growing up, I mean, all you really had, I mean, I think when I was in really young, you know, I started thinking about maybe doing some kind of sports announcing or whatever I wanted to do. I always thought either be a play-by-play guy or local sure. news. That was pretty much it. Now there's a million different things you can get into, but I never thought, and I don't know of anybody who sits around and thinks I just want to be the nightly yeah. anchor. So like it's not it's not like a national guy. Or... I mean, it can be it can be appealing. I think some people want to do maybe a national type thing. That's yeah. never been anything that's interested me. Um, uh, financially, I mean, if it, if it ever presented itself and it was i mean obviously <laughs> i mean if cbs oh yeah i mean if they called on. oh yeah i mean that's a no-brainer but uh you know i've, I've been fortunate to find a, a city that's awesome to raise my kids and yeah. um 
you know, my wife was in the business as well for many years. She's uh, she's now working in PR, but um, so we're both very familiar with how it, it is. And I think her being in news here for a while and me being in news kept me here because we both had good jobs when we were young and in our marriage, and then we had children. And man, Madison's a great place to raise kids. It's hard to pull you away. Once oh, well, you, it's once also you get them in school. Yeah, it's also just great a great place to be an adult. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it is. I mean, there's lots of things to do, and and if you do want some big city things, I mean, Chicago's not far, Milwaukee's not far. My I, wife went to college in Minneapolis. She, she we go. I there love the cities occasionally. Yeah. So. I'm always surprised by how many people who are from Madison have like either have never been to Chicago or rarely go. Yeah. I'm, I, so I was born in Cook County. Okay. Moved here when I was one. Um, but I'm always like Chicago proper downtown Chicago is two and a half hours away. Know. Why we, aren't you going all the we time? Love Chicago. We go there. Um, and usually I grew up in Northern Indiana. So it's, it's between here and where a lot of my sisters, I have uh, two sisters that are still in Northern Indiana. A couple of them have uh, moved elsewhere, but so we go back there regularly. And, and I grew up a fan of Notre Dame football. And so we, share a season ticket package we go back through oh life. nice we often stay in chicago i love chicago and yeah the museums are great for my mm-hmm. kids i mean it's just it, it provides you with such a big city feel close to us and lots to do so yeah that's yeah, a great city i was there this past weekend and uh every time i go i eat lou malnati's pizza oh yeah yeah best pizza in the world yeah i oh, work they, the whole city's got so much great pizza <laughs> that's right. i work for glass nickel and they, okay. they actually sponsored the story slam so thank you to them but yeah. lou malnati's they're right they get a lot of orders from us here the mere i know i i take a lot of Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, we get down to Chicago quite a bit, and I love it. I curse the Kennedy Expressway, of course, every time I go through the city because it's always packed with traffic. But yeah. I was just down there, flew out of Chicago to go to spring break. I, you know, O'Hare's not a lot of people curse O'Hare, but I love the fact we can go, you know, two hours from my house yeah. and beat O'Hare. So yeah, and it, the thing is, is a lot of times it's so much cheaper to fly out of O'Hare. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, exactly. Uh, so what brought you to Madison uh, eighteen years ago? Yeah, it was. August of 97 when I started, and I remember uh, I was a news producer and a fill-in sports anchor. I wasn't even really on air full-time. Had you had you been elsewhere? Uh, have you I, done news elsewhere? So, you're so you're a here. young guy, so yeah, 18 was, years at one place. Yeah, this that is, that's a good point. I was just 23 when I came here. Okay. I was a year out of Indiana University where I graduated, and I um, had had a couple of internships, and um, through a connection, got my first job as a news producer, writing news for an, a morning newscast. Conveniently, in my home town of Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I grew up. And so I could live with my parents, pay off some debts sure. uh, while I had that first job. Because you don't make any money. Everybody who's worked in TV news knows, even if you've been in a few years, you don't make a lot of money. But certainly when you start and so I produced and I begged the news director, Jim Bailey, who's now uh, working down in Tennessee as a, as a news anchor. Uh, he was a news anchor slash news director. And I said, hey, if I ever get a chance to fill in on sports, let me. And I filled in just a few times. I mean, maybe over a course of six months, maybe a dozen a dozen times I'd anchored newscasts. And I come across, it was enough to put together a resume tape. Sure, yeah. Send it to um, our news director here, Tom Beer, who's now our, our general manager. And Jeff Lenzen, who is our sports director. And Jill Summers, who is our program director. All of them were on what we had was called our hiring committee for our weekend sports anchor position, um, and that was July of '97. And I, I was fortunate enough to beat out two other really talented guys who have gone on to big things as well, um, bigger things than I've done. Um, Chris Miller, who's now does sports in Washington D.C., and Clay Mathick, who's done national play-by-play stuff for years. Two really talented guys. I always joke with Chris that he forgot his glasses the day of the interview, yeah. So he had trouble reading the teleprompter, and, that, and if he hadn't forgotten his son. 
on his glasses. There's no way I'd have beaten him out for this job. So That's too funny. So I got the job here and moved here in August, uh, August 17th of uh, August. Was it fifth? It was the weekend of the 15th through the 17th of 97 and started as weekend sports Is that, anchor. Would that have been the week that Princess Diana died? It was two weeks before. Two weeks I think before. she was August 31st. Yeah, you're right. I remember being in my little studio apartment over off uh, Gammon Road over McKenna over here when that happened and watching the coverage that night. I was 10. I, I was at my grandparents' 50th anniversary. Party. Yeah, that's one of those you remember where you yeah. were moments. Yeah. And uh, But I certainly remember that. And that was a couple weeks after I started here. So yeah. back in 97. Uh, so you came from Fort Wayne. Yep. And you started in sports. Uh, so we've met before. I don't, you probably don't remember this. Did you not have a beard then? I, well, I probably did, but not as uh, not as full. Uh, <laughs> and I, I definitely didn't have long hair. Um, at Bratfest, you were, uh, you know, quote unquote, the celebrity. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cashier. Definitely the quote unquote. Uh, no, no, I meant no offense. No, but, I know. Uh, but, you know, for some people, it definitely should be the quote unquote celebrity cashier. Because, like, sometimes <laughs> it's like the bank teller from Associated Bank. I love doing those <laughs> things, though, man. And it's fun to, to be around people. So I was your brat runner. So you took the brats? Uh, so, yeah, you would, you would take people's money and, and tell me how many brats they wanted, and I would go get them and bring them back. And, you know, at Broadfest, there's usually a little bit of a lull sometimes, so we got a chance to talk, and you asked me, um, you know, uh, what I'm all about, what do I like to do. So you must have been a young fella then, though. I was probably 20. I'm 27 okay. now. Okay. Um, and uh, maybe 21. And... Um, uh, at the time, I, I was really into music. I was uh-huh. a mu- I am am a musician, but I wanted to make a career out of music. And uh, you said, "So why aren't you?" <laughs> and uh, I that has stuck with me. That's awesome for, man. for almost ten years now, or six or seven years now. I'm glad to hear it. I'm and hear uh, it. you said, "Listen, when I was a senior in high school, I knew I wanted to go do news. I yeah. wanted to be a news anchor." Yeah. And, and, you, and then you go, and then I did it. Yeah. And you go, so if you, you said, "So if you want to do music, you have to do it. You can't just." Yeah, you got to be dreaming. And man, that's what I tell my kids too. I'm like, whatever you do, you got to love it. Because yeah. if you're going to work every day and you're not happy, I don't care how much money you make. Mm-hmm. So you're still playing music, though, huh? Not so much. And that's I mean, a tough. I still, TV news is tough. Music's even tougher. Thank you. Yes, it is. Even, listen, I, I'll, I will be honest. I'm good. I'm a good singer. I'm a good songwriter. But it's really hard to get noticed to do oh, music. Yeah. Um, but I credit you with this podcast, with me awesome, doing this man. podcast, because. When I thought about this podcast and I was like, I think I might want to do a podcast, I instantly thought of you and like well, saw your face that. saying, saw your face basically just saying, don't think about it. Just go do it. If you want to do yeah. something, just do it. I think so, that's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear I was a positive influence on, on someone's life. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> but like the interesting thing about this podcast is um, as hard as music was to get mm-hmm. any any kind of recognition, this is from the get-go has started. I, my first guest was t- uh, Tom Farley, yeah. which is not a huge celebrity. I mean, he's not a celebrity mm-hmm. or anything, but he's a New York Times bestselling author. Right. author. Um, it took a couple months to get our first sponsor of the mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, now Ale Asylum is sponsoring us. Oh, they're good stuff, man. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Hopalicious guy. So yeah, love, absolutely. Love so, so in five months, I got more recognition with this than I did in 10 years with doing music. So well, it's just like, awesome. Yeah. And you can still do music, you know, right? I have Absolutely. a friend, the best man in my weddings. He's an engineer, a graduate in Purdue with a degree in engineering. He's still playing drums in a local band in Indianapolis. Yeah. In fact, he was playing in his band. They got hired out to do an event at the final four and he ran into Michelle at the 
Oh, really? And he took a picture with her, and they, <laughs> she shared it on her Facebook page, my co-anchor, Michelle Lee. Yeah. And uh, he still plays music. He's 40. He'll be 42 in October. Yeah, so. music will always be a big part of my life, uh, but I just, it's... It's draining and it's like tough to okay. not get success and just pour so much into it. It's it's just soul. Have you tried like different like producing and in addition, yeah. like different avenues where you can try to enjoy it? I mean, it's yeah, tough, I it's I don't know. It, part of it is I have a wife now, and so it's like oh, yeah, you got to pay the bill. Exactly. You got any little ones yet? <laughs> no, thank. We just got married in June. Oh, this past congratulations! June. Thank man. you very much. Um, her name is Ashley. I told Michelle when she was on. I always get yelled at by my friends on the podcast because. I just keep saying my wife, my wife. You don't, my wife. you don't mention her by name instead of saying Ashley. So from now on, if we if we mention my wife, Ashley, Ashley. Okay, cool. Uh, but no, thank God we don't have kids yet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, we were Kim and I were married for a month, and then uh, about a little after that, we found out that Jordan was on the way, our firstborn. Yeah, and yeah, everything has changed. I had a, I had some friends uh, who got married very young. Uh, this was maybe a year and a half, two years ago, mm-hmm. and he was twenty, she was nineteen. And within like three, four months, they got pregnant. Yeah. And they told me, we were out to eat and, and, uh, they told me very excitedly, and my response was, "That sucks. Are you, your life are is you great? over. I mean, congratulations, and everything, but like, totally, your life is ruined." Yeah, everybody who has ever met me and has seen me around my two boys knows that there's literally nothing more important in my world than yeah. my two boys. But I highly encourage you and your wife and anybody out there to give yourself time, some time, where you guys can just be newlyweds for a few years. Yeah, and that's nothing against your friends who got pregnant. No, no, no. Some people can pull it off into each their own obviously. Yeah. But uh, my wife and I had been together for several years, like four years before we got married. So we had that time. Sure. And, uh, but now, yeah, we're, we've got a, a soon to be 10 year old and an eight year old. So we're running around yeah. uh, living the life of uh, taking them to, you know, sports practices and all that stuff. And it's awesome. I don't know what I'd be doing with my time if I didn't have them, but uh, yeah, take that time See, and, and that, have it in your marriage. That's what I told Ashley. Cause she wanted to have kids right away. And uh, you had four years or with your wife before right. we got married. We, on our wedding day, knew each other seven months. Oh, okay. I, I knew on our third date we were getting married. Told her, and she goes, I know. And then uh, about three weeks later, she, we were engaged. That's so, awesome. That's um, kind of cool, man, when you know it that quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so she wanted to have kids right away, and I was like, Ashley, listen, we got to have some time that it's just us because yeah. once we have kids, it's never going to be just us. It's again. never. I mean, you got to take them. If you want to go down, like listen to music in Chicago, you got to find keep them with the parents. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not tough. I mean, my wife and I are still trying to figure out when we want to do that first trip. Just us again. Yeah. He's going to be 10. My oldest in a month. Jeez. So All right, actually, so I'm week, never having kids now in a week. <laughs> I think you can wait till you're 27. You can yeah. definitely wait till 30. I, I that's, that was uh, what I told her. I said, I don't know. I know. I know the, the the women out there might say, "Wait a minute, it, it's it's their biological clock." But yeah, right. More, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, assuming she's close to your age, yeah. give yourself your time. And yeah, I said I don't want to be a dad before I'm thirty. <laughs> well, and then she wanted six. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know if that's possible anymore. Without I know. I, I mean, it's so expensive. I just said, Ash, you know. I was set at two for a long time. I come from a, there were three kids in my family mm-hmm. and I just always was like more than two 
somebody's always left out or feels yeah. like the fifth, third week. Well, I'll right, tell you, right. and also, like, when you're booking a hotel room, you'd have to get two rooms. <laughs> yeah. If you're uh, getting airline tickets or tickets, you got to get more, you know, you just got to book. It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, in this day and age, it's just so expensive. Yeah. Two. I came from a family of five. I always thought three would be a good number. We stopped at two. Her, That's enough. Her mom is one of ten. Oh, my gosh. Catholic family? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't say a family of ten and not, and not, <laughs> not be, be Catholic. Catholic exactly. You're the Catholic or Amish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a load, man. That's a ton. Yeah. Uh, uh, we had Christmas. You know, this was my first Christmas with her family this right. past Christmas. And there were 60 people in her grandpa's oh house. Gosh. This tiny little house in Middleton. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. yeah that's a big So selfish. definitely don't want 10. No. Don't two is a good six. number, man. It's, yeah. It's, we've, you know, like I said, I always wanted more. But I think two is a good number for traveling. You can still have a car. You don't need a minivan. Sure. So... So uh, back to what I was saying. This is the this is the joy of this podcast. There's a you lot just of go on whatever rabbit trails. Yeah. That's kind of what I do anyway. Um, so you always knew that it was news that it was uh, specifically sports. Uh, yeah, anchoring. sports was my passion growing up, um, and I had the for- the good fortune of um, having some good internship opportunities from a young age. I interned at the the CBS affiliate in my hometown, Wayne TV, and interned for a guy uh, who was a sports director there for a while. We actually had a TV station at my high school it was, oh. it, where we anchored a show. We put together, we produced a show, and I was the sports anchor of it my senior year, and um, had a great teacher too. Her name was Miss. Boatneck. It was kind of a weird name, but Miss Boatneck was uh, key in helping me, um, you know, kind of lining me up with that internship, dealing with me being a brat at times in class and being a practical <laughs> jokester and allowing me to get back in the class after she had told me, no, I'm not going to have you in the class. She let me back in, was able to anchor. And that really, you know, was what I always wanted to do. And and uh, being in a newsroom, I think it's a great, it can be really exciting. It can be really um Challenging, and you can get a lot of different things that you get to cover. And I think I've always liked to cover a lot of different things. I think that's why I was switched sure. from sports to news because I got a little bit in a, a cyclical thing in sports where after eight years, I was kind of like, okay, I've covered a Final Four. I've covered seven bowl games in a row. I've covered six NCAA tournaments. And it's the same thing. I covered Ron Dane's Heisman Trophy win in 2000. Yeah. I'd covered all these different At same a certain thing. point, doesn't it, like, I feel like it would just become this team won, this team lost. Yeah, it got, I mean, won, it gets, it's still lost. fun. I mean, I, I could, you know, if. if strange things happen in your career, I could still see myself going back and doing it sometime because I, I love it that much. Um, but uh, I also found myself paying more attention to politics and, you know, schools and it's, real estate. And the, the big it's boy hard things. to live in this the city and not things. start uh, right, paying attention right. to that. And so as I paid more attention, I thought, you know, I'm finding myself watching more CNN and, and you know, the network television than I did ESPN. Yeah. And so because I was kind of like, man, I already knew that, you know, if I turned it to ESPN. So going, I, I, it, was a, it was a good fit for me. And um and it was it was uh, it was a comfortable move for me when I made it, and it's been ten years. Actually, this week, ten years. Wow. It was May second of '05. Was my first newscast so, that I anchored here. Uh, pretty quick. Then it would be Stoughton Tornado, wouldn't it? Stoughton was Tornado was May? August 18th. Oh, that's August. Okay. And eleven days after that was Katrina. But yeah, the Stoughton Tornado was a big thing for me to cover. Um, I actually still had kind of a sports mentality about me because <laughs> we were we were kind of like so you, you know how, here's, here's brought out like the Marks a 
plot board well, and we're not, like not, not drawing. In that, not in that regard, but we had a, it, we had a short staff that week, and it was because um, a lot of people were on vacation in the summer, and a lot of people for whatever reason that night were, we just had a few people short of a full staff, and I was like, "Come on, guys, we had a tornado out here. We got to get going." And everybody's kind of standing around at six thirty, while sports guys shoot. We shoot video, yeah, and news anchors typically don't. Most news anchors you meet. Um, have never shot video, or if they did, it was when they were 25 years ago when they just started. I shot video, you know, when I was a sports director here and a sports anchor, you go out and shoot stuff all the time. And I grabbed a camera that night and went out to the town of Pleasant Springs with my, who was actually our five o'clock producer and our newsroom manager, Steve Kane. We were the first people in the town of Pleasant Springs. Mm. Our video that night that we got was sprayed all over Weather Channel that night. Every, yeah. I did live shots. Our truck, Mike Van Susteren, our chief photographer, met Steve and I out on Williams Road in the town of Pleasant Springs, and we were doing live shots for Weather channel that night international yeah my mom and my sisters watched me back in indiana on weather <laughs> channel they thought that was really cool and um, i'll still remember paul goodlow from weather channel calling it stoughton stout <laughs> stoughton wisconsin <laughs> and i I, uh, I subtly corrected him by saying yeah that's right paul we're uh, in the town of pleasant springs which is near stoughton about 20 miles to the southeast <laughs> you know i just i didn't say no paul it's stoughton it's yeah. not stoughton yeah it wouldn't look too good but, on uh, national television but yeah so um and i did live shots for WTMJ out of Milwaukee, WFRV out of Green Bay, who have been our trading partners for video for many years. And uh, that was a remarkable thing to cover to this day. Uh, one of the most interesting things I've covered because I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah. So, yeah, that was three months after I started news. And that was, did you say that was August 18th? August 18th of 05. 11 days, to put it in kind of historical context, 11 days later was Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. It was August 29th. Yeah. So it was kind of a rough weather year uh, across <laughs> uh, across these parts and south. But, um, but yeah, remarkable thing to cover. And uh, fortunately, we haven't had to cover one quite of that magnitude in our viewing area since. Yeah. Totally. Um, I, one of the things I talked to Michelle about was, you know, as a news anchor, not being allowed to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Is that tough? I don't think, you know, that's something I've always prided myself on is that I don't think anybody knows, has any clue. If I have a, you know, there's always the people that are going to say, oh, you liberal media or, <laughs> or you're in bed with Walker, you know, or something, yeah. you know. And if, if you get accused, I've, a lot of anchors, I think, think this way if you get accused of by both sides of being partisan Mm -hmm. you're probably doing your job sure because um they you know if the republicans think you're a a liberal and the democrats think you're a right-wing conservative you know you're not pleasing anybody it's not our job to please people i've never thought um it was challenging to you just stick with the facts i mean you know you don't interject your opinion in anything and i'll be honest with you on a lot of this stuff I really do. This sounds kind of cliche or um, trite, but I really don't have an opinion. I'll listen to the person. I'll say, I'll be like, you know, this person's got a good point. I mean, and I want to hear what the other guy's got to say. And yeah. you listen to both those points. And sometimes both of them, if they say it with, with you know, mature, maturity, they've got points. Yeah. You see what they're saying if they calmly discuss what mm-hmm. their point is. So, um so yeah, I don't think that that it's hard. And uh, like I said, there are stories I see every day where I will log sound, and I log a lot of sound. What I mean by that is I'll listen to interviews as they come back in. I don't always go out in the field as much and go to a press conference. I do sometimes, and a lot of times I still conduct the interviews myself. But a lot of times the interviews are coming back in, and I'll listen to both sides of a political debate, and I'll be like, I'm gonna. They're both gonna get 
I try to keep them close to about the exact same time. Sure. Because I'm deciding how much time they get. You know, if it's a 20-second <laughs> yeah. soundbite, I don't want 18 from one guy and two from the other. Yeah. I try to keep it even because um, I, I, I'd like to think they're watching and they want their voice to be heard equally. And so um, even down to the time I give them, I want to try to make it as as even as I can, and I want them both to have – their say and and if they both make a great point i want to give the viewers the best point that was made Hmm. so that they can hear that argument just as i did yeah so yeah we want everybody our business is not to pick sides and we i think all good journalists um know that and you're just like you try to learn as much as you can about a situation and let and pass that what you learn on to the viewers so they can make their own decisions can you let that go when you walk out of the door, these doors like on the way over here i was thinking about uh what what would be uh the best thing about being a news anchor and the worst thing about being a news anchor and i thought the best thing would be for me being in the know of of a big general wide spectrum of things yeah but then i also thought oh the worst thing would be being in the know because you'd have everybody coming up to you on the street and be like yeah hey what what's the deal with this i don't get a lot of that i definitely people definitely come up to you and it's amazing how people watch tv because i'll still 10 years later have people come up to me and say I don't. I don't know if they think I'm still doing sports or if they just know I still care about it. <laughs> but they'll say, "What do you think of that Packers signing?" You know, a lot, I still get a lot of that. Now I think they just know that I like sports. But, sure. But um, yeah, people come up to you and they want to talk, and I, I love that. I mean, I don't mind that at all, and I don't mind whatever they want to talk about. Um, the best thing about it, I think, is just that you get to meet a lot of different people and you get to cover a lot of different interesting things in news. <clears throat> like I said, that was a little different from when I was in sports um and the worst thing about it to me is just the hours really i mean working nights because i you know i'd rather be home with my family at night but sure i also know what i signed up for i mean this is what i I knew when i was coming in that if you're kind of the guy you're doing the six and ten and or the evening news shows and so i want to whatever i wanted to do i wanted to be the best i could be at it and um you know for now that's doing the best job i can here and you know i i do like being in the know i mean i like i'm a news junkie i literally am i want to know everything that i can know and sometimes i'm spread a little thin mm-hmm. you know i love to one thing about sports that you're more you know you're you're covering a smaller group of topics so if you're covered like in madison I felt like, man, when I was covering it, nobody knew more about covering Badger football than I did. Sure. Um, And I also felt like I was pretty strong with Packer football and Badger basketball because those are the big things. And I also prided myself on how we grew our high school coverage when I was sports director. And... um, but in news, you kind of got to, it's like a jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, you got to yeah. know a little about a lot. Well, and with sports, I mean, uh, not that all of sports coverage is this, but it makes it a little easier that a lot of it is statistics. Yeah. And there's charts. I've always had a good like memory. That. My sisters will tell you I was a freak that, like, had, you know, I can remember rosters and names, sure. and stats and stuff from a, from a young age. And I've always been pretty good at that. And that, that actually applies in, in news as well. I'll have a lot of people in the newsroom will come in that, that have worked with me for many years will say, hey, can you remember the name of that guy in that one story back in 2006? And I'll be like, yeah, that was Joe Smith. He got arrested for this on that date. He did 10 years. Or, come here, look at this guy in this video. Is this, uh, you know, representative so-and-so? And And I'll be like, yep, that's 
That's yeah. not, or that's not him. It's this guy, you know. So faces and names, stats, numbers have always been. A well, I was impressed the, about some of the dates you've pulled out. Like I, I would oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with August eighteenth, nineteen ninety. I've always been a freak with dates too. Yeah, birthdays. I can remember from kids I went to middle school with. I can remember their birthdays. <laughs> I mean, I've always had a good memory for numbers. So, and that yeah. I think really worked in sports. And like I said, I put it to good use in in news as well. Sure, reading a lot. I read a lot. I mean. I think another challenge for a news anchor, sometimes people don't think you're working because, first of all, sports people are very fast at editing and writing, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something I carried into news. I can write four or five stories quickly and be done, and then I want to read. I want to read and catch up on what's going on on Twitter, what's going on in social media, what are people talking about. That's an important component to social media now in our business. Yeah. But reading, I think, and just knowing your material, um, especially if we do election coverage or a big election show, you know, you want to be a go-to and be kind of the expert, so to speak, if you can be, um, on the material you're talking about. And so you want to read, you want to, and I've always been a big reader, mm-hmm. um, public affairs, whether, you know, current events, whatever, um, trying to stay on top of that stuff. I think you got to do it. And I don't think enough anchors do it. I think there are too many anchors. I can watch them and I can be like, okay, this guy's just regurgitating so stuff you, that some producer just told him. There He's you go. not really researching his material. So do you think that, it, that a lot of anchors are... Uh, there's too many consumers and not enough uh, producers, basically. You know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, um, uh, you know, some people just consume things and, and again, spit it back out it, and not understand the issue. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'll admit, I sometimes do that where I'm like, okay, I know this is what they said and what this means, who knows, but I'm going to tell the viewers. Because I will say in, in local TV news, you're also more than ever, and I think a lot of the guys who have gone on to leave the business in recent years maybe fail to recognize this is how the recession of 2009 and even it was happening before that because I think all businesses try to be lean and, and efficient and, and you know and we're always dealing with competing media sources cable you know you got a hundred you got the internet now you got mm-hmm. so there are a lot of people that get their all their news from so, from Twitter you yeah know, they pick their follower the people they want to follow and they don't watch the local news I mean we know we're all aware of what viewing patterns are we got to give them a reason to watch but um you know, we're always competing with that stuff. So we got to be more lean. We got to be more efficient. And we, what a lot of guys who left the business 10, 15 years ago don't realize is how much we do with less <laughs> than we did back then. We always could use more photo- photographers to go out and shoot stories or, you know, and we got people hammering on social media all day to, to make sure we have the story just like we did when we got something on the news forever ago. We now take that first to Twitter and yeah. to our website because well, that's I was going to ask consuming the news during the day in particular. You you started in '96 then, right? Yeah, in, in here, right, right. Uh, but and so there was no social media, none. I can remember ESPN.com and getting scores from that when I was sports in the late '90s, thinking, "Man, this is really cool. I can like get all the up to the minute like NBA scores, and it's right here at my fingertips, faster than the Associated Press wires that we had always used for so long to get scores." I mean. It's it's just, yeah, it was the, even the internet was kind of in its infancy. I can remember finishing at Indiana in the mid nineties and thinking, Oh yeah, I check my email like once a month. I go yeah. up in the. Can you imagine yeah. doing that? Now? I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's, once a month, I, I, and I, I always joke about the first cell phone I had. Um, so when I was struggling to, to get a job out of college, it wasn't until I got an internship at KSDK TV in St. Louis, the NBC affiliate there in their sports department, that I could actually put a resume tape good enough to get a job. And 
I took a job selling insurance in Indianapolis for Mutual of Omaha for like three months. Sure. And I, I'm like, you know, for a second, I'm like, oh, well, if I'm going to be a big insurance executive, you know, I'm 22. <laughs> you got to have gonna a cell, cell phone. phone. <laughs> so I go to this company in Indianapolis called GTE MobileNet, and I'll never forget my first cell phone plan. I paid twenty seven ninety five a month, and that got me fifty five zero minutes a month. <laughs> fifty minutes. I had this giant phone with a big antenna on it for ten extra bucks a month. I got free weekends and free from seven to nine in the evening. Good lord! And I don't think I ever used it, but you know, you just walk around. I've got yeah. a cell phone. Uh, I'm, I'm, cool. a, I'm a big shot. Yeah, and so that was cell phones, and that was nineteen ninety six. And I remember nobody else had cell phones. Man, people thought I, my friends thought, man, you got a phone. Man, you must be a big deal. You must be but, making um, money. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit, they know I had no money. I did insurance for like three months and took an internship, unpaid internship in St. Louis, and just dropped my life in Indianapolis after one summer there out of college and went over to work at KSDK in St. Louis, hmm. the NBC affiliate, and uh, worked in sports for a guy named Mike Bush, who uh, is a tremendous anchor. He's one of the very best in the country, local anchor. He was the sports director there then, and he, a few years after that, switched to news, just oh. like I did. And um, I swapped emails. When, when I made this news, just saying, switch switched to news a few years later. And um, I mean, he's a, he's an icon in St. Louis. He's a big time guy, extremely talented. And in, in fact, NBC 15, I was watching one of their newscasts this weekend, which is a rarity for me to watch local news <laughs> on my days off. But there was a sport, especially the competition. The competing, yeah. Um, and there was a story that they ran by Mike on, the, on oh, NBC cool. 15 this weekend. So I, I did watch that and then I turned the channel. Yeah. Because I only watch. Right away. I, well, I don't watch local well, news. Well, not work. What? what one of the things I asked Michelle about is like, I mean, if you're walking down the street and see Charlie Shortino. Oh, yeah, I know Charlie. Are, but I mean, I always was curious, even as a young kid, I'm like, do they all hate each other? Like, are, are they all like, oh, you're in I hate all of them. No, I'm kidding. I only hate Stofflet. No, I'm just Is it more like a camaraderie? Like, Very much so. I think, you know, there's not. In fact, um, when when I was sports director here, Jay, our current sports director, was at 27. Uh, my wife. I married my wife, who was an anchor at Fox 47 and mm-hmm. 27, Kim Spam. She anchored Fox 47 News at 9, I don't know what years, but maybe four years from maybe 01 to 05 or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, so Jeremy Woods was a sports director at 15. He's my mortgage guy now. I mean, he's sure. he does mortgages in yeah. Chicago. And so Jeremy's my mortgage guy. And, um, you know, I, Sarah Carlson was at 27 for a while and at 15, and I had a hand in bringing her over here for a couple years and before she got out of the business and moved back to Chicago. So I think we all understand what everybody's going, what we do for a living, and it's a tough grind. I mean, it's tough to stay in it for a long time. It's challenging. You know, it's ratings-based. you got to keep those numbers up. And, yeah. And, um and there's a lot of people that want to work in this business, and amazingly, still. And um, it's tough to get a job. I mean, it still is. I mean, when you're trying to get that first job, it's tough. I mean, now they're they're tending to hire younger people more in, in bigger markets because they're trying to reduce their costs a little bit. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, you mentioned Charlie. I see Charlie at Verona Hometown Days every <laughs> once in a while. And, and uh, you know, friends with all those guys. I mean, yeah. there's nobody, I think, that uh, – I remember being in the – being very competitive with Jeremy because we were good friends. We were actually, we'd go out to bars together, Woods and I. <laughs> and, and we we would literally 
like make fun of each other for what we did or didn't have on the news. I mean, yeah. But it was friendly. It was friendly. And um, Jeremy Nichols, who's one of our photographers now, was on that staff as well. And there's a, there's been some, you know, people that have worked at all three stations. There's people that have worked at two or, you know, yeah. so it happens. It, it seems like there's a lot of commingling. Yeah. I mean, um, we have quite a few photographers who probably got their training initially at 15. Um, our assistant news director, Joe Ratsky, used to work at 27 as their news director. Mm-hmm. So it happens. And, um, you know, it's it's um, it's a it's an ever challenging business to find uh, reasons to to win. I mean, ways to win and ways to get that story first. And and we all respect each other. I think for for what we do. And you know, we may not always agree with like, oh man, they led with that. Are you kidding me? You know, we do a little of that. Um, but they, I'm sure they do it to us too. Yeah. You believe Channel Three is leading with that? You know, it happens. Yeah. So, um, but everybody it's, it's has competitive. It's competitive. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When they're reporting on the the giant cookie that Grandma made. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And and you know it's amazing viewers too. You know they'll what one person loves as a story, another person's like, man, well, it's a slow news day. Yeah. And another person will say, hey, I like positive news. We just had a story. <laughs> I was looking on social media. We posted a story that Dave Delosier, one of our very very talented uh, photographers, who won every award there is to win as a photographer at uh, KUSA, the NBC in Denver, which is a really good station. And he was a photographer there for many years and became a what we call a one-man band where he shoots and does his stories all himself. Sure. I mean, he's, here's a guy in his 50s, and he's go, he goes out and throws a camera on his shoulder and shoots some of the most amazing stories. Hmm. Phen- phenomenal storyteller. Well, he did a story on a UPS guy this week who had driven something like a million miles without an accident knock on wood is what i said anyway um and we had one guy on our after we posted on our social media on our facebook page that said um what was a slow news day and i'm sitting there thinking you know people enough enough as it is will say to us why can't you guys ever report on something good good yeah and we do we report on so much crap you know horrible things that it's great to be able to tell somebody's story like that because that's an accomplishment and absolutely however minor it might be to you to joe blow you know watching out there you know if we could tell a a special story in everybody's life i mean think how awesome that would be but we just unfortunately don't have the airtime or resources to do it uh so it's 9 20 when when do you have to get out of here i go so they're doing the fox right now it's 9 20 and um so uh we've done a lot of our writing we had already done okay um so, but I usually, you know, in the next 10 minutes, I'll go and start proofing all my scripts for the show and okay. make, making sure, um, I also told Michelle to text me if, sure. if there was anything I needed help with, but, um, but yeah, it's all good. So, uh, so since that is the case, uh, we'll start wrapping up, yeah. but uh, one of the last questions I always ask, uh, every guest that's been on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and it's put a couple people on the spot, so don't feel put on the spot at all, uh, is who is the most interesting person on your phone? Um, and I, uh, so I mentioned Tom Farley was was uh, one of my first or was my first guest. His answer was Quincy Jones. Wow, I'm <laughs> so, not going to be able to do that. I know. I know you're not going to be able to pull uh, Quincy Jones out. But you know, a lot of other people have said things like, uh, you know, my brother is a really interesting guy. I just know that if I can if I call him, I'm going to have a good conversation. So that's uh, that's fine too. I know for listeners, it's it's more interesting to hear uh, uh, somebody uh, quote unquote famous. But I will say this: I have I actually hate you. Using the phone, I, I don't mind emailing people, but I don't call people very often. But I have a lot of contact information. Who's the most interesting person on my phone? Well, there's a lot of like. I mean, I have a few lawmakers in there that I won't. I, I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> disclose that too much. Um, 
Who's the most? I have Ron Dane's number on there. I was that's, just that's looking a at my pretty list. good one. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I had I have Bo Ryan in there. Yeah, Bo Ryan's pretty good. That is pretty um, good. Most of the guys that you know, like a guy like Bo Ryan. Um, I, I remember covering him at Platteville when he was, hey, you guys going to come down and shoot our game? <laughs> and now he's the best coach in college basketball. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, those relationships that you build through years, I mean, those are really cool. But uh, I would say those guys from my sports days, you know, I've got all kinds of news anchors on my phone, too. Sure. Um, I'll probably later, unless I bring up my list, I'd this, probably. This is what everybody says. I'd probably be like, man, I'll, I'll look it up later. Oh, and I'll shoot, be like, I should have oh, said, said that guy. I should have said that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot you know, that I've got going in. Oh, this is in context. Well, well like I said, Ron Dane is that. Ron Dane's good. And, Ron Dane uh, and Bo Ryan, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're in here. And uh, yeah, a lot of people in the business around the country, TV news business. Alana Rizzo, who I hired here in 2005 and then ditched her. She's now the um, sideline reporter for the Dodgers. Oh, cool. And she works with Vin Scully. I just saw it because I'm in the A section. I'm not even going to get out of the A section before I... <laughs> we're going to run out of time here. It's going to be really lame. Well, but a lot of news anchors in the business around the country that I share... Um, you know, stories with. And, yeah. And uh, there's a few Congress. I mean, a lot of them, too, aren't their personal cells, too. There might be their, their, they are their direct lines, but. Sure. But, but yeah. So you, that's one thing that's great about this business. I mean, um, I've been fortunate enough to sit and do a one-on-one with Barack Obama. And I've been fortunate. I didn't know that. Yeah. And when he was running as for a president. Senator? Not as, yes. Not as a sitting president, but he was in the midst of his run. And he was big. Everybody knew. Yeah. He, he had already won in Iowa. He had come here for the Wisconsin primary. This was February of 2008, and I shared with him that what 40, an exciting time. Yeah, it was very cool to cover that. And I was also I also interviewed Mitt Romney that year in Davenport, Iowa, because I covered the Iowa caucus. Mm-hmm. And I've covered Governor Walker. I mean, I, I, I um, I've covered him a lot. And I, you know, say what you will about the guy. I mean, from my from where I sit. If he runs for president, that's uh, that's a that's a compelling story for us to cover. Totally, and it's an experience I think that everybody in the media wants. Now, <laughs> yeah, whether somebody agree, yeah. whether somebody wants to hide their feelings of if he falls on his face or if he wins, that's for people to decide. Sure, but I hope he does it. I, I think it may. I mean, if he just suddenly said tomorrow, you know, we've thought about it and we're just gonna, you know, we're not gonna do it. I yeah. mean, we'd be shocked for one. Yeah, but two, I mean, I'd be like, oh man. I mean, so now we've got to. Do these stories on find this other on thing to Rubio talk about. and Rand Paul? I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, because it's a foregone conclusion, I think, for the Democrats. So, yeah, you know, you want that. This is going to be a compelling thing for us to cover uh, going into next year, and um, you know, and I've I've been fortunate enough to interview him one on one many times, um, and I get when I travel around the country and I see people and they find out what I do for a living, they'll be like, "So tell me about." Tell me about him. What do you know about him? Yeah, because you know? they want to know, and so, um, so yeah. I mean, that'd be exciting to cover. But I've you it know, really would be. I was just thinking this week. I was just like, man, if if there was any possible way I could ever get him on the podcast, even for like thirty minutes, I'd be like, yeah, I'd jump I mean, on it. He's uh, and he, you know, he's an interesting guy to interview, and I've 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 tried to get him rattled. I mean, yeah. it's our job to ask them difficult questions, not not necessarily to rattle him, but to make him answer some tough questions. I remember sure. saying to him after Act Ten really challenging him and saying, you know, you didn't say anything about taking away collective bargaining. You didn't. Mm. You know, really strongly saying it. And one thing about the governor that I think most media people would agree is the guy is, you can't get him to really lose it. 
<laughs> and I mean, so from that perspective, I think he's prime. I mean, he's he's well conditioned. Yeah, for a run again, whether he succeeds or not, who knows? I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, sitting sitting across from him and trying to get him a couple times, you know, he definitely. Uh, I think he watches the media. I think he pays close attention. I think most people that are in that kind of job do. But um, well, and, but and I think he he's well aware of his uh, of the ability to handle tough questions. Yeah, and I feel like you have to be uh, when you're in the kind of position that he's in, where so many people hate you. Right. Yeah. There's you no have doubt. to be uber prepared. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, and what I mean by answering the tough questions i don't mean necessarily that the answers are right because i don't know that's for voters to determine if he answers a question and it's a bad answer it may be a great answer to to, to a guy down the hall but he doesn't show what i mean by that is he's not going to fall apart answering it in terms of his composure it may or may not be a good answer but it it, he'll he'll answer it like he thinks it is yeah you know you said that that's for the voters to decide Mm -hmm. and i just thought i wonder do you often have to compartmentalize your life like that where I you are a voter yeah I mean and, and we vote a certain you know I, I, I vote um, every election yeah and um, I teach my sons though the same thing um, I think too much of the the bipartisan or the, the partisanship I should say in this country comes from what what your parents did and more than ever I think talk radio feeds it to uh, there's a lot of things that but we're so you know polarized now with the political thing and one thing I teach my sons is um, you guys what do you think you make your decision yeah because that's really like I said I, I try to learn the issues and <clears throat> and I try to you know learn as much as I can to pass it on to the voters that's how I treat my kids who are eight and ten we went to Washington when they were six and eight and we started learning about the political process and without saying anything about this guy's right and this guy's wrong I'm gonna say what this guy believes and you tell me if you think that's the right thing kids are so smart yeah and and, and my kids if you went and asked them right now at nine and eight you know, if somebody tried to sneak to my kids and say, I want to find out if this guy's really a, a conservative, uh, you know, if he's a, a shill for the right wing or if he's a, a typical liberal media, like we're all always called liberal media, um, you could ask my kids and they would have no clue. Yeah. They would have no clue because I tell them, make your own decisions, guys. Yeah. You know, you, here's what th- this guy is trying to do. Here's what the bill is. Here, You know, this lawmaker, whatever. And I, I was thrilled. My eight-year-old, he just turned eight two weeks ago. He sat and watched Face the Nation with me on Sunday morning, <laughs> which I was like, I turned to my wife and I said, he's asking me questions about Face the Nation. He didn't say turn it to SpongeBob. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, that's, so yeah. that's that's a great way to raise your kids. I had parents like that. I was a pastor's kid, mm-hmm. went to a small private Christian school in Madison that my grandfather started. Mm-hmm. And I can remember uh, when I was like in first grade, I think, uh, we had a like a we had a presidential election where they had the kids vote for who they wanted to be president. Yeah. They're all going to probably pick who their parents said, right? Yeah. I was one of the very few who cast a ballot for, uh, for Bill Clinton. And I remember teachers were up in arms because this is a very small private mm-hmm. Christian school. And, and I was like, listen, yeah, I still remember they were in Madison. Wisconsin, exactly. Though, right? You know, I might that. be a pastor's kid, but I'm a Madisonian exactly. first. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You so. know, and, and if you look at social media now, I grew up, like I said, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is extremely conservative. Yeah. Dan Quayle, um, 
my dad knew a couple of the guys that my dad was actually a little bit involved in politics. He was a county coroner. My dad was a physician, and he was the county coroner when I was growing up. Now that we could save that for another podcast. That would be fun. Lots of crazy about. stories there <laughs> when your dad's the county coroner and you're growing up. But um, he knew a lot of the politicians: Dan Quayle, Birch By, who was Evan By. I don't know if you know Evan By was more recent uh, senator from Indiana and the governor, two-term governor. But he, my dad knew Birch By. He knew Dan Quayle. Uh, Dan Quayle's from Huntington, Indiana, which is just about 20 minutes south of where I was from. So it was a conservative hotbed is where I grew up. And so a lot of the people that are friends of mine on Facebook, when they talk politics, they're all way to the right. Yeah. Because that's their upbringing. Yeah. And then it, it's, it's a total opposite if you look at my Madison totally. friends. And I just think it's so interesting when, I, when there's a big political issue going on to watch the... You know, Fort Wayne, very conservative hotbed, and Madison, one of the liberal hotbeds of the country, to hear the opinions from both sides. And in my job, where I'm supposed to tell both sides, it's a great way to look at things. I mean, Absolutely. It really is. So, very cool. Well, I won't let you get going. Uh, yeah, we're about a half hour from news, but that's yeah. cool. I appreciate it. It was fun, man. Absolutely. Let, let me back just. Sometime we'll do it again. Uh, totally. I, I will take you up on that. I'm going to outro real quick. Okay. Uh, Saturday, May 16th, that is our next Story Slam. The theme is Hindsight is 2020. We will be at the Wilmar Center again. And uh, Ale Asylum is sponsoring this one. They'll be sponsoring us every month with beer. So uh, usually they give us uh, Hopalicious, Big Slick Stout, and the Ambergeddon. So come on by and grab a beer. Hear some great stories. Um, and honestly, I think that's all I have for an outro. So Eric Franke from Channel 3 News, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been fun, man. I appreciate it.